So uh, we, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and pause the video right there. When you see something like this up here on the screen, how do you feel? Does anybody, when you see those four words, suddenly feel a sense of calm? Suddenly feel a sense of peace wash over you? No, you feel anxious because you're like, I'm getting it wrong. I didn't do it right. I, I messed up again. I knew I wasn't supposed to be freaking out, but I freaked out anyway. Right? And we get this, we get this, this welling up inside of us, this, this anxiety, this, this, uh, this, this um, pressure to get it right, to do the right thing, to be in the right place, to, 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 uh, to succeed, to overcome and all of these things, and so we have this, we have a, a phrase, four, four words on the screen that suddenly remind us that, that in all of our striving, in all of our pushing, in all of our hurry, in all of our worry, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to not, not be anxious, that's for sure. A young woman brought her fiancé home to meet her parents for Thanksgiving dinner. After dinner, her mother told her father to, to find out about the young man. Who is this guy that our, our daughter is bringing home? So the, fi- the father invited the fiancé into his study for a talk. I, I don't think there was a gun involved, but, you know, it was like, hey, hey, come on in here. I'm sure the fiancé was feeling very relaxed as he was invited into the father's study. So, so the father asks the young man, what are, what are your plans? What are, what are you going to, going to do in life? And the young man says, I'm a biblical scholar. The father says, biblical scholar, hmm. Well, that's, that's really good, but how are you going to provide a nice house for my daughter to live in? And the young man says, I'm going to study, and then the Lord will provide. I just, have, I just have faith. I have confidence to know that God is going to provide for us. And so the father asks, and how are you going to buy a beautiful engagement ring? For my daughter, because you know she deserves the best. How are you going to buy her a beautiful engagement ring? And the, the young man replies, I'm going to concentrate on my studies, and then I'm going to trust God that he's going to take care of me. And children? What about children, the father asks. How are you going to support the kids? And the young man again answers for a third time, don't worry, sir. God's going to provide for us. The conversation proceeded just like this. And eventually, the father and the fiancé emerge from, from the study. And so the, the mom pulls the, the dad aside. She's like, how did it go? What did, what did he say? What, you know, tell, me, tell me about this young man. The father answered, he has no job, no plans, and he thinks I'm God. <laughs> there, there's a certain point in our lives where, where God wants us to trust him, Right? And there's a certain point in our lives where we also have to get off the couch and do something with what God is telling us to do. So there's this, there's this, this both and approach to faith where it says, where it says, I'm going to trust God to do everything that he's going to do, but also I'm going to give it my all as well. I'm going to do, I'm going to do my all as well. We're starting a new series this week and it's, it's honestly, it's, it's primed for the holidays. A couple of stats for you guys. 91% of Generation Z, so the young adults nowadays, these are like high school, college age um, young people, report one or more symptoms of stress in the last year. This isn't just, I was worried about a test, but this is, 
I'm experiencing heart palpitations. I'm, I, you know, I, I can't sleep at night is a big one. All of these things. They experienced a symptom of stress over the last year. And this is up from 84% in generations past. So we see that the younger generations are getting more and more stressed, more and more anxious. You have to stop and ask yourself, why is that? What? And we all have our, our theories, right? But we know that they're worried about the future. We know that they're, they're worried about what college am I going to go to? Can I get into a college? How am I going to pay for college once I get into college? Am I, when I get done with college, am I going to get a, be able to get a job that will give me enough income to be able to pay off my student loans? Am I going to be married? Is, am I going to get married to a crazy person? What is that going to look like? How, how you know, are we going to have kids? Where are we going to live? All of these things. For those of you guys that are maybe a little bit more mature, you're wondering, did I marry a crazy person? Or just kidding. <laughs> anyway, if you need help, contact the church. We'll set you up with a counselor. Um, your car's broken, right? You're, you're stressed out because the check engine light is on, and you're like, I, I can't clear that stinking thing off the, the dash. What am I going to do about this check engine light? Your, your parents are getting older. You're starting to get worried about them. You've got teenagers in the house, and we all know what it's like to have teenagers. Well, not all of us. Some of us are teenagers. But for those of you that know what it's like to have teenagers in the house, you can all say amen. <laughs> it's, it can be stressful. It can be hard. And then we have the holidays coming in. And I don't know if you've, you've seen this. I've seen a, a lot of memes that have popped up like, like this recently, especially right after Halloween. And it says here, it says, no one is skipping Thanksgiving. And, and what it says is from November 1st to November 22nd, it's Christmas. And then on November 23rd, it's Thanksgiving. And then on November 24th to December 25th, it's Christmas again. And I'll tell you what, guys. I walked downstairs after tucking my boys in bed last night, and you're never going to believe what was on the TV. But somebody in my house, no names, but she's sitting in the front row, was watching a Christmas movie. But apparently it's okay now, because we've got authority from Instagram that says that, that Christmas starts on November 1st. Honestly, Owen has been listening to Christmas music on and off in our house since August. Um, and so he, he just loves it. I'll, I'll come downstairs, and he's figured out how to work the, the Google Home. So it's like a voice-controlled um, little music player. It uh, does a bunch of things, but, uh, but he can talk to it. And he can say, and I, I, won't, I won't say it because some of your guys' phones are going to go off right now. <laughs> but he can talk to the music player and he can say, play Christmas music. And then all of a sudden, Mariah Carey is blaring out of this speaker. And so we've, we've been experiencing Christmas for a while. But, but when you walked around, I mean, I, we went to, to Hobby Lobby on, it was like mid-September, or no, mid-October. And all of their Halloween stuff was already on clearance and they were already had all of their Christmas stuff out. Like, like it's, not even, it's still two weeks before Halloween, and they had already clearanced out all of their Halloween stuff, and they're set up for Christmas. And, and so we start to feel this pressure, don't we? And now Black Friday doesn't just come the day after Thanksgiving, but it comes two weeks before Thanksgiving, and, and on and on and on, and there's this constant pressure, right? There's this constant anxiety, and if you don't have your Christmas lights up by now, are you really even celebrating Jesus? I know some of you guys got your Christmas lights up yesterday, and that's awesome. But for the rest of us, now we're behind. 
And how are we going to catch up? And so there's this tension, right, between I want to get it right. I want to make sure that my family has a great holiday. I want to make sure that everything goes smoothly. And yet, life is accelerating at such a pace that I don't know how to keep up with it. I don't know how to, how to um, I don't know if I can keep up, honestly. So over the, the next few weeks, over the next two weeks, we're going to explore this idea of anxiety, worry, stress, and then also what God has to say, especially about the power of being thankful to help in those situations. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm actually going to finish playing this video because it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a couple verses of our scripture to us. But, uh, so let's go ahead. I'll have your, your Bibles now in Philippians chapter 4. I'm actually going to back us up a couple verses. We're going to start in verse 4 because the very first word is so important to what we're talking about today, and that word is rejoice, right? Let's say it, let's say it together. Rejoice. One more time. Rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because God is close by us. So what have we to fear? Don't be anxious, right? That was from the video. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't let yourself get so bound up in stress and worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But instead, everywhere you go, every, every time you start to feel that rising up inside of you, take a breath. In every situation, it says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we want to, when we feel that, that anxiety rising up inside of us, we want to take it to God, right? And then there's a promise tied into this. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the first thing we see here is that our rejoicing is in the Lord, Right? When, when he says, when he says that, that we're supposed to rejoice, I will say it again, rejoice. He's not talking about rejoicing in a Seahawks victory, although we can rejoice in those as well. Um, he's not talking about rejoicing that you got your Christmas lights up earlier than all your neighbors. He's not talking about rejoicing because you're getting ahead. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling worried, when I'm feeling overwhelmed by life, in fact, I had a, a situation this morning where um, my boys are supposed to be eating breakfast and um, they, they were not eating breakfast. 
And instead, they, they kept poking at each other, which, of course, then leads to all sorts of hysterics. And, and I, I, you know, I turned around. I, I snapped because I, it was the only way to get their attention and get them, get them calm. And then I, I turned and I set my hands on the sink and I'm looking out the window, but I can see my reflection in the, in the window as well. And I'm like, I just need to take a deep breath right now. Because what I just did was not very gentle. What I just did was not very kind. You know, and, and rationally, logically, I, I, I needed to get their, their attention in the moment. But it wasn't, it wasn't gentle. And it wasn't kind. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all why? Because God is near. And so this phrase right here, the Lord is near, is, is really what I want us to focus on today for the next few minutes. We're going to talk about what that means. And because we understand that God is near, how it should then help affect our disposition, should affect the way that we treat other people, should affect the, 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 um, our reactions to different events. Because we know that when I was standing there at the sink looking out the window, I could see my reflection, but I also know that God was right there next to me. And he's right there next to us, wanting to work in our lives, wanting to intervene in what we're doing. So today we're going to focus on this phrase, the Lord is near. Why don't you guys say that with me? Say, the Lord is near. One more time. The Lord is near. So we're going to give him our troubles today. We're going to give him our burdens. We're going to give him the things that have been weighing us down because he is near. And so if you don't hear anything else in today's message, here's what I want you to focus on today. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it runs through your head, if you start thinking about it, you start obsessing over it, it keeps you up at night, use that time to change your focus to God. We have lots of worries in this life, don't we? I mean, I, I've gone on and on about the holidays, but, but we have doctor's appointments, right? We've got, we've got different things that are going on. We've got, we've got family stresses that are happening. I talked to three different people this morning that are dealing with different things that are happening in their families and different, different concerns and stresses that they have because of that. But it's not just our families, it's also at work. We've got conflicts, we have things that go on at work, we've got deadlines that we have to meet, there's stress related to that. We have physical issues, you know, you're looking at, at a, a, a bump or you're looking at something or there's a, a pain somewhere and you're like, should I go to the doctor? I don't know. And instead, we sit and we worry about it, we focus on it. So anxiety, I mentioned earlier, check engine light. Anxiety becomes kind of a check engine light for our spiritual life. It's a, it's a warning then that says when you're starting to feel overwhelmed, when you're starting to feel stressed, when you're starting to feel dysregulated, what are you going to do? You can allow that light to just sit there on the dashboard and keep getting worse, or you can use that information to lead you back to the foot of the cross, to lead you back to where Jesus is. There's a man in the Old Testament named Elijah, and he faces down, he, he goes through this, this incredible roller coaster ride. We've talked about it before. It's in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. He is on the highest of highs. He gets, he gets drugged all the way to the top of the hill, and he, he ha, he, in fact, he's up on a mountain, 
there are 850 prophets of Baal and one prophet of the Lord. This man, Elijah, there's this whole, there's this whole confrontation that happens. Uh, Elijah says, let's, let's make two different altars. The God who answers by fire is the one true God. The prophets of Baal spend all morning trying to convince their God to show up. He never does. Elijah makes one prayer. After first, it's, it's brilliant. I, I love this this in the, in the Bible, he says, okay, first thing I want us to do, before we even, before we even you know, go to pray, what I want us to do is I want us to make this as hard as possible. So he, he dumps, he digs a moat around the sacrifice, and then he dumps all of this water on it. He's like, if God is going to answer, I want to make sure that we know that there's, no, there's no confusion, there's no misunderstanding. I want to make sure we know that it's God. And so God does answer by fire, and this should be the, the highest spiritual moment in anybody's life right? When God answers, you, you lay out that fleece before God. You, you go to God with your question, and God shows up. And it's like, this is amazing. I can trust God in everything. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, one of, one of my uh, stressors or one of my, one of my things that I've been dealing with is, is related to, to financing this roofing project and how, how God provided for us the insurance company had said they were going to pay 77000 and then they came back because of a series of events and said they were now going to pay 165000 And that was such a huge relief off of me, right? And we'll get, we'll get in a minute, we're going to, we're going to go back to how it's going because, because just like Elijah sounding on that mountaintop and being like, man, this is amazing. For Elijah, it was the, the king's wife, the queen, heard about what happened and decided we can't have Elijah around anymore. So she sends men to kill him. So now Elijah is on the run. Thankfully, I didn't have that happen. But there was still, just because we got the roof mostly paid for didn't mean that we were out of the woods and we had some other decisions to make. Eventually, Elijah ends up at another mountain. And we're going to pick this up in 1 Kings 19 now. It says this. So, so God, God takes Elijah up to a mountain. This is after, I, I guess I should have mentioned, that, that Elijah is on the run. He ends up, he's exhausted. He's, he's depleted. He hasn't eaten. God, God sends angels to care for him. Eventually, he makes his way up to this mountain. But he's, he's beaten now. He's, he's honestly, he's depressed. He even asks God to take his life. He's so depressed. He's so anxious. He's so overwhelmed by his circumstances. And then God takes him up to this mountain and he says this to him. He says, here's what I want you to do. This is God speaking to Elijah. I want you to go out and to stand on the mountain. And in just a minute, the presence of God, my presence is going to walk by you. Uh, oh, for the Lord is about to pass by. Pass by. Then what happens is a great and powerful wind tears up the mountains. So just like we experienced wind over the last couple days, there's this wind that comes, there's rocks falling, and Elijah is looking for God. But he doesn't find him in the wind, does he? And then there's an earthquake. After the wind, there's an earthquake. But God's not in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake came fire. Now remember, God had just showed up to him in fire. But God wasn't in the fire either. And so Elijah is confused. I see, you know, I mean, God is literally causing nature to be stirred up. 
And yet God, he says, is, is not in any of those things. And after the fire comes a gentle whisper. And after the fire, God whispers to him. I love that God doesn't rebuke Elijah, but instead he meets him where he is. He doesn't, he doesn't yell at him. He doesn't challenge him. He doesn't, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't come down on him, but instead he understands where Elijah is and he meets him there. And why does God whisper? It's because he was so close that if he would have shouted, it would have been a problem. But he was close enough to Elijah that Elijah could hear him whisper. So let that sink in for a moment. God is so close to us that when he whispers, we can hear it. God will never leave us. Right? We know that. We know that God is always around. He's always with us. He's close to those that are brokenhearted. He's close to those that are oppressed. He's close to those that are downtrodden. If you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious in life, know that God is right there with you. He's come alongside you. When you're in your car and the tears start flowing, know that God is with you. If you're walking through a difficult season of life, know that God is with you. The Lord is near. I had a, uh, a, a funny situation happen in my life. Um, first, I want to show this, show this picture. So this was, this was from our Harvest Festival a couple weeks ago. And you guys can see all of the, the green hair dye that we, that we had in, in our hair. And that was the morning that my hot water heater broke. Now, we've had all sorts of things going on, church things, personal things. But this, I mean, that, this was on a Saturday, and I had to preach on Sunday. And I've got, not just, not just my hair is green, my beard is green, I, you know. And so Tiffany and I are trying to figure out how to make it work. Thankfully, it was, we, we had to replace the water heater, but we've got savings that was able to do that, and so it didn't end up being too much. But there was, this, there was this moment, there was this point in time where I was standing downtown and shaking people's hands and welcoming, welcoming them to our booth when all I could think about was what was happening at home. And for a lot of us, we're like that. We're going through the motions of the things that, that we know are expected of us, but our mind is somewhere else. Our mind is on something else. Some of you guys, even today, you, you were serving in, in different areas of the church, and yet your mind is somewhere else, and you're thinking about something else. I know that, um, that I'm, I'm in a unique position working for the church and, and stuff like that. God has, God has blessed me to be able to do things like make my own hours, um, but with that comes the challenge of Sunday is, there, there's always a Sunday every week. There's always something coming. There's always another sermon that needs to be prepared. And I know a lot of you guys feel that way. And I'm not, I'm not whining. I'm just trying to relate. This, is my, this has been my experience for the last month to say that, that there have been, you know, there, there have been every weekend, there's been something that's been going on. And, and so, you know, then the things at home don't get taken care of because I've got to be at work. And, and you know, and there's always another Sunday. There's always, another, there's always another thing that comes up. 
And it's been a busy season for, for both myself, but also for the church. We've got a lot of activity going on, a lot of things happening in the building, a lot of, lot of different, uh, different issues that have popped up. Um, this, last, this last Monday, we had three people that were related to our church family that passed away. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm calling people, and, and I, was, I was honored to be able to do it. It was, it was a, a privilege for me to be able to, to connect with those people, but there's always another Sunday coming, right? There's always another, there's always another thing that we've got to, to think about. And I know for you guys, it's not uh, sermon prep. It's not, it's not that you're worried about, worried about preaching on Sunday, but you've got things as well, don't you, that are, that it's, it's constant, Every, you, for some reason, your kids want three meals a day. And it's like, it's like you've got to figure that out. And when you wake up in the morning, the first, one of the first questions that Tiffany asks me is, what do you want for dinner tonight? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm brushing my teeth. Like, why, why am I thinking about dinner right now? But she has to be, right? And, and those of you, especially, especially moms in here, you understand this, that if you don't plan in the morning, if you don't take the meat out in the morning, then you're not going to have anything nicer in the afternoon, and you're going to fall back on cup of noodles or leftovers or whatever it is, and nobody wants to live on that stuff. We, we can for a little bit, but eventually you want something that's a little bit nicer, and if you want that, then you've got to get ready in the morning. And so there's this pressure, right? There's constantly this pressure that is, that is building up inside of us. One thing that I've been learning and I wanted to, to share this with you guys, and then I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and join me up on stage. One thing that I've been learning is that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a tither. I believe that God has called me to give the, the first part, the first 10% of, my, of the money that God has given me to give it back to him. But also, God has been challenging me to tithe my time as well. And so when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, especially when it comes to, like I said, this, this idea of I have to get another sermon ready for this next week, and I want to just sit down at my computer and start typing, and God's like, no. And oftentimes, oftentimes God stops me in that, but now I'm, I'm getting into a better rhythm of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop myself. I'm going to go into the, come right here in the sanctuary. I, I pace back and forth along the altar. I'm like, I'm going to spend, I'm going to tithe this sermon prep time, and I'm going to spend time in prayer, because I know that this is more important. This is what God wants from me. Hopefully this, this is something that you can start incorporating in your own life as well. A great way to do this is when you're commuting. If you have an opportunity to just turn the radio off, turn off the podcast, put on some worship music, spend some time with God in that moment. If you're feeling angry, sad, scared, depleted, overwhelmed, anxious, it's a warning light for you to say, let's go back to God. Let's go back to him. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says it like this. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Don't worry if you don't know the right words. Don't, know, don't worry if, if you feel like you're just complaining about the same thing over and over again. God wants you to cast all of your cares on him, to lay it at his feet, because he's strong enough to help.
In Isaiah chapter 40, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people get exhausted. Even young people stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. When we learn to trust in him, when we learn to cast our cares down at his feet, then he gives us the strength to continue on. And the way Paul said it was that there's a peace that comes with that. He said the peace of God which surpasses all knowledge will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Father, I just ask right now as we come to you and as we spend time with you, God, I pray that you would speak to us, God. You would show us those warning lights. You would show us those things in our lives that we need to get right, that we need to focus on, that we need to give over to you because you care for us. We're going to open up the altars in just a minute. We're going to give you a chance to come down. And I know that I've talked to multiple people this morning that are feeling overwhelmed. And what I want us to do is rather than have our prayer team members come down front, I want to make sure that nobody comes down alone. So if you know somebody that is feeling overwhelmed, I want you to grab them by the hand. And I want you to bring them down front here. Because I believe that God wants to speak to us. God is near, but also there's a church family that God has placed us inside of that can wrap their arms around you, that can pray with you, that can encourage you. Because when we wait on the Lord, then we renew our strength. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity because some of you in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're watching us online today and you don't, you don't know how to even go about beginning to pray. And so I want, to, I want to give this opportunity and extend this invitation right now that if you are feeling far from God, if you're feeling like, like or maybe, maybe you don't even know what a relationship with God means, in just a minute we're going to say a prayer together and we're going to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. And what that means is then every time you're feeling anxious, every time you're feeling stressed, you've got somebody to go to. And he's near. He's right there next to you. All you've got to do is turn and ask him. And you can lay your cares and your concerns down at his feet. And you'll notice we haven't talked at all in this sermon about God taking care of those things. We just said he's going to take care of you. And later on, we're going we're gonna to address that as well because God does want to intervene on your behalf. But right now, for today, for this morning, I believe God just wants to bring peace. God wants to bring peace to us all. So if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, you haven't yet taken that step, I'm going to have everybody go ahead and bow their heads at this time and I'm going to count to three when I get to three, I'm going to have you raise your hand high up in the air. And the reason that we do this is not, not because raising your hand saves you, but it's because it's, it's a sim, symbol, 
right? It's a recognition to say, God, I want to place my trust in you. And then we're going to say a prayer together. And when we're done saying this prayer, we'd love to have you fill out one of the next steps cards in the pew in front of you. Or if you're watching us online, fill out the, the link in the chat because we want to connect with you. We want to make sure that because we're a family here, we want to make sure that nobody walks alone. And especially when you're taking these first few steps in your faith, we want to make sure that you're not walking it alone. So if that's you in this place, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, or if you're watching us online, like I said, click the link in the chat, but I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to have you raise your hand all across this place. Ready? One, two, three. Is there anybody in here you want to give your heart to Jesus? You're tired of feeling tired. You're tired of feeling stressed. You know that there's been something in your life missing and you want to know that you have somebody to turn to. If you're watching us online, click the link in the chat right now. God wants to do something in your life. Father God, I just thank you for, for what you're doing here in this place. And God, I thank you that, that Lord, you are encouraging us you're strengthening us. You're working on our hearts. God, I pray, give us the boldness now to take a step towards you. Because God, I believe that you want to bring us peace in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of what we're going through. Thank you, Jesus.